Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. My name is Peter, obviously from Latchford. I'm also the CAP Centre Manager, so anyone who's not heard of CAP, Christians Against Poverty. As Life Church, we, we run a debt centre, and we have been doing for nearly the past nine years, and it's a great service that reaches people who are in the most difficult situations across our, our town. Some people who are really struggling with their finances, who've got themselves into severe debt. What we do is we go out, we help them with a practical solution to that, get them out of debt, which is great. But the best part of that is I get to share the good news of the gospel. It's the best part of my role. That's what I absolutely love. When I go into a home and we're having a chat and we just make room for God just to come into that room and have a conversation. And so today I've been asked just to share a few ideas and thoughts around something that we'll be doing. Um, If I could have one of those. Cheers. My lovely wife had to run home and get me some of these today uh, because I forgot them on the way here. And considering that's what our whole talk is about, I thought I'd better do that. Lucas was really gracious with me as well, which was really good. So our first scripture is 1 Peter 3.15. And it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everybody who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And what I love about that scripture is, in the first part it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. So in our daily living, whatever we're up to, wherever we're going, in our personal time with the Lord, we need to be elevating him and giving him the pride of place, church, as number one in our lives. Yeah, we need to be excited about Jesus when we get up every day. Lord, I just honor you today. I thank you for who you are and what you've done in my life. Let's be excited about our personal walk in in our faith, church. Second is, part of that scripture is, always be prepared to give an answer to everybody who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Now, if we're doing number one, people are going to want to know what the hope is in your life. What is it that's different about you? What is it that's different? Why do you react to these situations and circumstances in that way? And so also as well, preparing ourselves, listening to things in the car on the way to work that will stir us up, edify us. So we're in that place ready to share when that opportunity arrives. And then finally, but do this with gentleness and respect. And it's just really important part. So yeah, let's be gentle with people when we talk to them. Let's love them. Let's be wise, but let's be bold. And let's be confident in what we have to share. But ultimately, we do that with respect. You know, it's not just about a railroad session of what we've got to say. So you have to sit there and now listen to that because I've started and I'm not going to stop. So I'm going to keep going until I've shared my point. Let's just respect that, the fact that people believe other things. And as we get into this today, I'll be able to share a few of those points. And so the great thing is with this scripture is it really inspires and challenges to share the good news that God has given us through the gospel. And, you know, today I just pray that something that I say to you will just spark something within you that says, you know what, yeah, I need to do this a bit more. I need to be challenged a bit more. Because let's face it, we can all be challenged more in this area of evangelism, can't we, in personal evangelism. There's not one of us in here, whether we're an evangelist or whether we're confident or we're an introvert. We all need challenging in that way. And so on the four points uh, you'll see coming up, um, has anyone heard of this? You've probably seen it before. Yeah, it's quite a popular thing. You see it at a lot of Christian festivals and things like that. Well, we've invested a lot. We've got 4,000 of these as a church. Yeah? Because we want to invest in it. It's, it's a great way of using the gospel and it's a great simple tool. 
And what we want to say this morning is, is that in this four-point message, it's about a message of hope, love, redemption, and salvation. But actually, within the first one is, is God loves you. You know, that's the first point. It's like that God loves you. There's a problem. Sin separates us. Yeah? No, we don't need to flick through. If you just leave the four on for us, that'd be great, Adam. Um, and, you know, the solution is the cross. And what are you going to do about it? That's the simplicity of it. But I will go through with you shortly each one of those. And it's a great visual way that we can share the gospel. We can take this tract wherever we want. Wherever we go, and I have one in my wallet. Lucas had about six in his wallet this morning. Actually, a lot of our church were giving them to Lucas. I think they were trying to challenge him because he'd come away and someone wanted one before. And he went, yeah, there you go, Joel. I've got one for you. Um, but it, they're really good for those expected or unexpected conversations that we can have with people. So if you're going to meet a friend, take one with you. If he doesn't know the Lord, you can just drop it with him. Have a look at that. You know what I believe. I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Just, we'll have a chat next week about it. Just take it home and read it. Um, or it can be one of those unexpected conversations. Um, I was in Lidl two weeks ago, and there was a guy at the till, and we were just chatting about football, the sun, the weather. He was going on walks. Nice enough guy. He was buying a five-litre bottle of cider. And um, I just said to him, I said, I felt God really say to me, he said, Pete, just tell him that I love him. Just say to him I love him. And so I said, hey, mate, he said, he was a fellow scouser, so it was easy enough to do. So we just went, hey, mate, can I just say, God loves you, you know. And he went, oh, mate, thanks, that's brilliant. That's made my day, that. That's made my day, your boss, you know what I mean? And I don't think he was that drunk at the time, to be honest, because he hadn't started on the, the five litres of cider, so, you know. But he was like, oh, man, that's great. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate that. Well, if Peter didn't say Peter, I threw that in because he didn't even know my name. But getting carried away with it. Don't want to be classed as a false teacher now, do I? You know what I mean? But the thing with it was, was that we had a real engagement in a conversation. And the very least that I got to share with him was that God loved him. And he, I had one of these on me and he took that away with him. And the great thing with the tract is it's got staying power. Long after your conversation's ended, that's still in their hand. On the bus, at home, wherever it is you know, they're going to read that, and that's what's really good about it. So, good thing is, is you can even leave them in a coffee shop, you know? I mean, you do have Life Church's address on, so we could get done for, like, littering or something. But, you know, th the fact of the matter is, we can leave them in places for those conversations. So, let's work through this simple track today. So, you know, the great thing with this track is it can be used one of two ways that I found personally that is really good with it, is that you can use it for your personal testimony. You can use it for you to guide you in how to share your testimony. So number one is, when did you first become aware of God's love in your life, that he loved you? What was that point? So you can use it as a guide when you're talking to someone. When was it that you became aware that you had a separation, that there was a sin nature that, that was separating from you and God? What point did you find that? Thirdly, when did you respond to the gospel? What, did, what was said to you in that time and how was it said? to you you know how did you receive that and ultimately what was the deciding factor that convinced you to make you say a yes to Jesus so you can use it on a personal setting the opposite is you just turn it around God loves you you know and when you get into a real open conversation with people you can share with them and just chat with them and when you've built a bit of a rapport then we go move on to like but yeah there is a separation and there is a sin that separates and I'm going to go through that so I don't want to go too much into this but and then we can share into the gospel story and message with them because we've now connected with them and then ultimately you can say what do you think of all of this what's your decision on this do you, do you feel anything in what I'm saying and they might say a no or they might say a yes um, so anyway get to our first point in this four points so God loves you 
And, you know, this is the most important thing I feel we need to communicate with people. You know, it should be the first and the last thing that somebody remembers out of everything that you've got to say. God loves you. That's what we want them to go away with. We want them to feel a sense of, do you know what? People already feel heavy. They feel burdened. They feel challenged. They feel, you know, ultimately the effects of sin on their life without understanding that. They already have a rucksack, you know, weighting them down on their backs. So if they can feel like a sense of, God loves me, wow, even as I am, that's amazing. So let's make sure we do that. And this statement can be best described in John 3, 16 and 17. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And what I found with that is it's what a powerful, amazing, the most famous of scriptures. But actually what's really good is when we're talking to people, I may convey that scripture to them. I may even name it, the script John 3.16 to them if I want to, if it's relevant. But actually sometimes I don't. But I'll use the context of that scripture to communicate the message of God's love for them. So that's the scriptural backing of what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. So it'll be something like, can I just tell you, God loves you, you know. Like I did with the guy in Little. He just loves you. That was the message that I was going to do it. And, he, and you know, you get into a conversation a little bit deeper and it's like, you know why? Because of Jesus. And Jesus transformed my life. And because Jesus died for you. And you can go off on that and just have a little bit of a conversation and share the gospel message. And it says, you know, also that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God's heart is that no one should perish, but we should all have eternal life. You know, we want hell empty and heaven full. That's God's heart. And so when we get into verse 17, where it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's so important that we emphasize that. God's not a big bad God who just wants to make you feel bad about yourself, because people do. People think God sometimes is a big angry God, but actually he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world through Jesus. And we need to communicate that message in a way that you can personally communicate it, that you're comfortable with, but don't detract from the scripture. You know, because this is the word of God. This is what helps people, and this is what breaks through, and it's through the Holy Spirit that they will get saved. So, for me personally, when, when I'm, you know, I'm reading these things, it stirs me up and it excites me. And uh, one of the most challenging people I ever met, I'm going to brush over this one quickly, but one of the most people... Challenging people I ever met was one of my first cab clients, and she was hard work. She was hard work. I turned up that weekend. She tried to, sorry, I turned up on the Tuesday. She tried to take a life on the weekend before I met her. When I was present, there was a social worker there. She was rattling and shaking from the effects of the drugs that she'd been given for the overdose that she tried to take. Then also, you know, when I met with her, I was just like helping her with the practicalities. Then talked about, in the midst of it all, I said, you know what, I said, can I just tell you, love? I said, God loves you, you know. I really felt, you know, just to say, oh, I don't believe in him, it's a load of rubbish. There is no God, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. And I said, you seem pretty sure about that. Now, my approach, rather than get into a battle with it, or a, you know, a debate or a discussion, I used it as, do you know what? That's really interesting now. Because I'm the complete opposite of you. Because I sort of know he exists, and I know there's a heaven. And, I, and so it really interests me in your thoughts and your faith of how you believe there's nothing. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you think? And she told me a load of nonsense, obviously. And I listened. Because I've got to remember the first scripture, respect. 
Got to respect people. So I very much respected her, but it was all an older nonsense, obviously. And anyway, so I listened to her. And that was that. And we left that day. Oh, yeah, I said to her, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, on the other side of that door. And I went, okay, well, I will. <laughs> anyway, two weeks later, she came to our community meal. Two weeks later after that, she asked if she could come to church. Twelve months later, she was born again, and a few months later, she got baptised, and now she volunteers and helps me with CAP, telling people her story of what a mess she was in. And I use that story because it's a real powerful story of how someone's life can transform. There's been lots of people since then who've given their life to Christ, but, you know, it was just a real powerful story. And so what I want to say is when we speak with people, there can be a positive and there can be a negative situation and things that they can say you know but what we need to do is use the situation to listen to them listen to their story earn their respect so often we can be too busy trying to with our agenda and what i've got to say because what i've got to say is going to change your life but sometimes we've got to earn that respect before we can share that so we need to listen don't judge people you know let's have that mutual respect you know i'm here today because i had a powerful encounter with jesus you know not because someone won me in an argument I'm here because I met Jesus and he transformed and changed my life. And so listen, if, if, love can, if love connects us, we need to also understand and share what can disconnect us from God, what can separate us from Christ. And in Romans 8, it says, there's nothing that can separate us for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. But if we're not in Christ, then there is a separation. And it's that sin that separates because it has to be dealt with. And there's a big chasm between us and God. And God is over there and we're over here. But we, we can't build our own bridges to, to cross, to get to God. You know, we, it's, it's like the love separate, you know, nothing can separate those, those for who are in Christ, but yet those who are not in Christ can be separated is the point. I don't want to go into some other points here. Next one is sin. Sin separates. So the key verses we need to know, and that sin and the separation is not unique. It's not something that's unique to the person that you're talking to. So if your person likes going out and getting hammered every Saturday night, let's not focus on the hammering every Saturday night, you know? You know, because, because, it's, because it says here in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the very person who's telling this story, you and me, for all have sinned, we've all messed up. There's not one in here who hasn't sinned, is there? If there is, put your hand up. I'd love to meet you. See, there you go. We're all in the same boat. So when we're talking to people, we need to just acknowledge the fact that, you know what, I messed up. And we can talk about that honestly and openly with people. And it also says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, these are the background scriptures of when we're talking to people of how we communicate it. The wages of sin is a separation. It leads to death and away from God. But the gift of God in eternal life is Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can have eternal life, but it only comes through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You know, we, people try lots of ways, but they can't make it. It's only one way to Christ. And in this day and age, church, it's getting really questionable, isn't it? There are c continual challenges within society. And what's happening is the lines are getting fainter and fainter and fainter um, of what is acceptable and what isn't. Models are becoming more and more questionable, even by a societal context. You know, even news channels will question certain things that are happening today. Uh, the Sam Smith concert that happened recently, you know, Fox News, it was all over it. Has this gone too far in the Grammys? Even the world are saying, like, this doesn't feel right. There's something just wrong about that. You know, but if a conversation comes up about sin, it's not what we feel or want to describe as sin, but rather it's what God says is sin. What does his word say? It's not about what Pete thinks is sin. 
It's not what I've decided is sin. It's not what my sort of legalities are, what you can and can't do. It's like, well, let's go to the book. The book tells us what is sin and what isn't. So we stick with the word of God. You know, we're here to share a gospel. You know, we're not here to share a gospel, as I said before, of affirmation, but a gospel of transformation. We're not here to just at any cost to get someone through that door. You know, it's not just like a firm, oh, well, if you come along, it'll be great because I've brought someone with me. It's like, you know what, unless they have a radical encounter with Jesus, it's a waste of time. They just become a church member. We want people to find Jesus, have an personal encounter with him, have a personal relationship and live for him. And it's the, it's the transformation message that we need to be speaking. Like, the, you know, the woman at the well and, and, and uh, Mary Magdalene, all these people in the Bible who had transforming experiences. And people can fall into attempts of trying to save themselves. These conversations come up so often for me when I'm out and about or we'll have a conversation, a deep and meaningful. I get the, the blessing of sitting down with people for quite a while and I'll have them conversations over a cup of tea and it's great. So I get, you know, it's not always just over a quick cup of tea or a passing stranger. And, and some of the conversations I'll have is when I talk about, you know, some people will say, Pete, but I'm not that bad a person, you know, when it comes to sin. I'm okay. I think if I stood before God, I'll be fine. Genuinely, people think that. And some of the types of things they'll look at is like works, for example, I volunteer my time, I help my neighbour, I cut the old deer's grass down the road from time to time, I even pop to the shops and get a shopping in. You know, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I think if I stood before God, he'd think I was okay. Uh, morality, I'm a good person. I try to tell the truth. I haven't robbed the bank. I don't cheat on my wife. I'm a reliable, trustworthy person. Excuse me. Um, I've not murdered anyone. You know, people come with their own morality. And even religion, well, I go to church, I was baptized as a child, I was confirmed, I go to confessional, I do the tea and coffee, I help in the car park. But actually what that is, is people are trying to build their own bridge to God. And none of those things can save us. None of us in this room can be saved by our deeds. Pete Clark can't be saved because he's the cap center manager. Pete Clark can only be saved because he's met Jesus and accepted the finished work of the cross and the blood that was shed on that cross for me. Yeah, and that's, that's what excites me when I go out and about church. It's like, it's not in me, it's only in Christ that we can do this. And it's important that we know what we believe, why we believe it. And that's why church is important. That's why it's important to come to church. You know, if you want to be a mechanic, I'll say to people, well, you go to college. If you want to be a Christian, get to church, it'll help you. You liked that one, didn't you, Liz? <laughs> you know, but we can't live a good enough life to save ourselves. And what's the, 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 the background for that scripture? You know, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. That is not, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it just says it right, quite there, clearly in the words. There's nothing we've got to offer God. Nothing. You know, he just wants relationship. He wants our hearts. That's what he wants from us. Um, but listen, church, here's the good news. There's great news, isn't there? This is the best news that we can ever tell someone. And that's, you know, Jesus died for you and he absolutely loves you. And he thinks you're absolutely amazing. And he wants a personal relationship with you. Yeah? Let's be excited about that church. And in Romans 5.8 it says, But God demonstrates in his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does that tell us? While we were a mess, while we were far from God, while we were at the lowest, you know, the dirtiest thing in the gutter, he picked us up. 
you know, when he died for us and he, when he picked us up, he cleaned us and he cleansed us when we come into his presence since it was a relationship with him when we acknowledged that he was Jesus' Lord and he filled that God-shaped hole in our heart. So listen, church, let's be excited about what we've got on the inside, you know? Let's be excited about that because this thing changed each and every one of your lives in here today. That's why we're here because somebody told you the good news of the gospel. You didn't just stumble into church. Well, sometimes it happens, but... Most of the time, someone told you something about this amazing news of the gospel. So we have got a mandate to share that with people. And I love saying this one, and I said it this morning, you know, the Great Commission was never called the Great Suggestion. He didn't suggest if we feel like it, if we're in the mood. Well, I'm feeling great today, Lord. They're getting it out that door. Wait till I get to work. They're all getting it. You know, but then the next day, oh, I've had a bad week this week. My wife gave me what for. I've just been sleeping under the stairs like Harry Potter for six weeks. It's like, you know, I've been in the bad books because I told her, she asked me where the Hoover was and I said, it's probably in the secret place, love, where the Hoover stays pretty consistently and doesn't get touched. In fact, you even know where it is. Um, I love living dangerously, I do. <laughs> and I'm only saying that because I've just come out from sleeping under the stairs for six weeks. <laughs> So I'm really brave when I'm in front of loads of people, but I only just got rid of my last black eye. But anyway, um, so, you know, but church, when was the last time that you shared the name of Jesus with somebody? When was the last time that you mentioned the name of Jesus publicly in a friendship or a relationship or a conversation? When was that? Yeah, second thing is, I've seen that arm go around there then. I've got a fellow brother in the Lord there, haven't I? I've seen that. He's thought, yeah, I can relate to this one, honey. I've seen that. I had to say that, sorry. But, um, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, when was the last time that we shared the name of Jesus, the most precious name that should be the most honoring name in the first place in our lives? When did we share that with someone, you know? And actually, just as your own personal challenge, when was the last time I even led someone to Christ? With the church? We've got the greatest message that can ever be shared. There's lots of messages in the world. This is the greatest message that we can share, and it transforms lives, and it's for an eternity, not 60, 70 years. This is forever and ever and ever. But there's some great news that I want to share with you today, is that, listen, the pressure is off you and me. We cannot save anyone. It was the biggest, most releasing, freeing thing I ever found in sharing the gospel. You can't save a single soul. Your stories are just not that good. His story is absolutely amazing. And here's the thing, when we share his story, somebody can get, the Holy Spirit can get on the end of that. And what he does, he connects with a person's heart and then they become convicted of their need for Christ. So it's only the Holy Spirit that actually does that. It's not like someone's hand going up that they get saved. That is not salvation. That's a response. That's great. It's only when the Holy Spirit identifies in a person's life and it reveals to them, you need Jesus. And then they respond to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so we need to make sure that not just a quick hand, and I see that hand, I love doing that, you know, evangelists, you're like, yeah, I see that hand over there, and then you sort of have a little bit of a Mexican wave going on, and that's what you expect, but sometimes you only get the one or two, but they're all important, and so yes, you know, it's really important, and we need to be able to open our mouths, open them wisely, you know, we can be the best thing that can draw a person to Christ, or we can be the biggest thing that is actually pushing them away, do you think, then Christians do my head in? can't do with them they're just annoying that fella over there just just moaning about that wheelie bin or something it's like you know we need to just try and be christ-like in those decisions and those situations and i said this this morning it was a reminder it was it was that at christmas i went for a, a courier a local courier takeaway unplanned 
Ruth was somewhere, and I thought, you know what, I can't be bothered cooking tonight. There's a curry house there. I'm going to go and get a curry. I haven't had one for ages. Just feel like it. And I went in, and there was, because it was unplanned, it wasn't ordered. It was like 30 minutes in there. And I just started talking to the guys because they weren't that busy about Jesus, and it was great. Talking about God. And he said, Oh, you one of these um, Christmas Christians? I said, What do you mean? You were Christmas Christians. You know, you come out once a year with all your flashy lights, and then by January, you disappear. Don't know where you are. And it's funny, but it's actually quite profound. Because Muslims may think that Christians just rock up once a year with a fancy little festival of lights. And that's it. And that can take it one step deeper. Are you a Sunday morning Christian? That's the next challenge. Are we a Sunday morning Christian? Reinhard Bonker said, Christians are like submarines. They pop up on a Sunday. On a Monday, they go under the surface and you don't see them. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then they pop up again on a Sunday. And I don't want to be a submarine Christian. You know, I want to be a lifeboat Christian. That's going out saving souls in all the storms. You can see us. We've got the flag out. We've got our mast out. We've nailed our mast to the colours. And we're out there for the Lord. And so, yeah, let's be excited about our faith and let's not be a Christmas Christian. You know, uh, we need to be able to share this truth of the gospel and we need to pre preach this gospel every day to ourselves, not just to others. I need to do it to me, to Pete Clark. Why? You know, because if I leave it to myself, what happens if I don't preach this message to myself? I start to trust myself. I start to trust my own experiences. I start to rely on me instead of him. And that reason I need to remember why we need to preach the gospel to myself every day is because I forget it every day. I bet we, there's others who can register with that. We can all forget it every day. Do we get up and go, thank you, Lord, that you died for me today? Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. You paid that cry. I'll be honest with you, I don't do it every day. I should do it every day. I want to do it every day, but kids get in the way and, you know, wives asking me to do dishes and things like that. I'm being brave and I'm being naughty as well. But, you know, it's these things. It's like poor wife's getting it tonight. But the thing is, it's like, you know, lots of things get in our way from sharing this good news of the gospel. And what I want to say to us is, you know, the gospel message, is it still moving you and me today? Is it something that we did a year ago, two years ago, five, ten years ago? Or is it something that is moving me now? I watch The Passion of the Christ and things like that every couple of years, and it moves me. And I need to watch that and remember what he did for me and why he did it. Because he loved me so much. And I just want to share with you, as we're talking with people, and at the heart behind what we're saying... I just want to reflect back to the cross because that's what we're talking about. We should be on the cross. Aren't we? There you go. I'm getting carried away here. But you know, it's like this is what it's about, the cross. And when we look back to the cross, it was the most terrible of deaths. You know, soldiers would have entered the guardhouse. They would have brought Jesus and two other condemned men to the whipping post. He was whipped. He was with leather straps and metal hooks on the end. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head and a cross layered on his back. And the procession would have started and crowds of people would have gathered. And then there would have been some of his friends there seeing this nightmare unfold of their Lord and their Savior and their friend dragging across up a hill, covered in blood, being brutally tortured, thinking, what has happened? I was only eating food from a couple of days ago. There's our Lord. You know, Jesus would have lost of lots of blood and an African man called Simon of Cyrene would have helped him carry this cross up the hill. Would I have done that? Would you have done that in front of those crowds of people? And there were three crosses that day. There was one that was the cross of rejection, the second was the cross of reception, and the third was the cross of redemption. And now when we look at these two thieves, I relate to them, and we all should be able to relate to them. And what it says while hanging on the tree is, if you're God, then save me. 
save us, get us out of this situation. Do you hear that very often when you speak to people? You're talking to them and they're going, well, if God's good, why am I going through this in my life? Why am I going through that? You know, if God's real, then prove it to me. You know, it's the age-old question people have been asking for a long time, and this thief is no different. If there's a good God, why do bad things happen to good people? So often it comes up in my conversations with people. You know, aren't you God? Save me. As if God owes me and you anything. As if God owes me and you a single thing. What have I ever done to merit God owing me anything? And I love that Jesus did not respond in this situation. But then the other criminal on the cross, he's starting to realize that there's something different going on here. And he says, you know what? We're getting what we deserve. We're guilty. Make no mistake, they're getting what they deserve by Roman law at that day and that time. And he recognizes, he says, I deserve this. And he sees that this is just that I received the penalty for what is to be done to me and has been done to me. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, today, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And you can just imagine this guy, it's a desperate plea from someone who's about to die and he has nothing to lose, he has nothing to gain other than potentially if this is true, that Jesus is the son of God, that he will go into the kingdom that day. But he says, remember me, Jesus, when you go into your kingdom. And he has no guarantees that day. And Jesus' response is the most powerful statement in scripture from the cross, from a place that looks like total defeat. And everyone thinks that Jesus' moments from death is not his moments from completing the greatest act and sacrifice that's ever taken place. And he just says to him, simple words, today you will be with me in paradise. Simple words. And when I get to heaven, do you know what? I want to speak to that thief. I want to have a chat with him saying, you got him by the skin of your teeth, mate. You got him by the skin of your teeth. And you know, you know he never went to church. He never went to any Bible studies. He didn't have time for Alpha because he was on the cross. You know, you never read the Bible. He never memorized any scriptures. He didn't have time to say sorry and wrong, you know, to, to, to right all his wrongs. He would have arrived in heaven at those pearly gates potentially and, and nothing to boast about, probably very little understanding of how he even made it there. But when he asked how he did get there and why he should be let in, his answer should have been something as simple as the guy on the middle cross told me to come in and his name was Jesus. I love that, you know. And it's, it's so true. And Jesus paid the price for all of your sin on the cross. Nothing is too far from him and not, nothing, no one is too lost for him that they can't be saved. Jesus is enough. So listen, let's stop saying people's no's and let's start saying people's yeses. Because so often we can just say they're too far gone. They're too, they've got too much going on in their lives. They're too broken. They're too messed up. We've all done it at some point. That lady I mentioned to you at the beginning, she was the least one I thought would actually get saved. And the person who I did know, one of my first clients who she was phenomenal I thought why we're not even doing an altar call on this first appointment ever I was with Annette Taylor and we were out and this woman was like just sucking everything up and it was like she's gonna get saved this is phenomenal we both walked away so fired up well the next week you've never seen her ever again she just disappeared gone so don't don't say people's nose for them just let's say yeses before them and finally our response to, is to receive Christ and it says, behold, uh, Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And that scripture is the church of Laodicea. It was a message to the church, but evangelists love using it on a one-to-one -one with people because it's really reflective and it works and it communicates a really good message. And Billy Graham did it. So I think, well, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. So, you know, he, he smashed it. You can't moan. Like, how many million did he bring into the kingdom? But anyway, so the point of the matter is, when we're talking with people, it's a really good visual aid. I've even shown it on my phone. 
Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. I've just discussed these other three points, but I believe there's an opportunity for you to respond with this. What are you going to do about that? And Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, and, and I had someone say to me once, why doesn't he just push the door open then? Why doesn't he just come into my life and save me? And I said to them, I said, listen, God will never interfere with your free will. He made you with free will. He made you in his image. You can reject him, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing God can do about it. It's your free will. And he will do everything in his power to warn you, to bring people into the situations and bring people across your path. But he will never force you and then never force your, his will upon you. So it's free will. And it's so important, church. And finally, so when we're asking people, let's be bold and let's be confident in our faith. You know what? We've got the best message ever that we can communicate to anyone. There are people outside that door of multiple religions who will share their message. You know, they'll knock at the doors. They'll, they'll, they'll be proactive. They'll, they'll pay for things. They'll drop books off. Let's be even more proactive because we've only got, the, the, the truth is only what we've got to share. There's only one way. And in John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you can only enter through Jesus. There is no other way. And sometimes people will talk to me and try and communicate and say, well, what about this? Or I believe this or I believe that. Or can I add that in? Yeah, that fits with my vibe. You know what I mean? Bit new age, that fits with my vibe. And it's just like, no, there's only one way. You know, and we have to repent and we have to come to Christ at the foot of the cross and we have to respond to the name of Jesus and what that represents. So listen, I've had to go through a lot and appreciate I probably talked quite quick and everything else, but I just want to end and just pray with you. Um, because listen, you know, we need to be praying for those unsaved people in our lives, whoever they are, the whosoever's, we need to be praying for them. You know, your friends, your family, your work colleagues, your neighbours, you know, whoever it is, we need to be praying for them because that's the only answer. You start praying for the lost and then when we get the opportunity to share something with them, the Holy Spirit's been working in the background. He maybe had three other conversations before you even get there. Because God knows what's going on. Don't write anyone off. Let's just start praying for the lost. So if you could just bow your heads, close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to do an altar call. I'm just going to pray for you. <laughs> so Father, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come to Lim, to this church, Lord. And I thank you for this church, this congregation of faithful believers, Lord, in this community, Lord, who just want to... Do something special in limb who just want to be fired up for you lord and i pray lord that some of the things i've quickly shared tonight father will just make an impression on people's hearts and that we will start to question do you know what i need to start talking about you more lord i need to start reaching out lord and standing in faith lord give me boldness so lord if there's people in here who are introverted in this i thank you you will use their introvertedness lord for the extroverts you will use their extrovertedness lord you've made each person unique who's here today so i pray lord that each one that is uh, gathered here tonight tonight lord that you will just use them convict them steer them challenge them lord draw them to you lord so the message that they need to share give them the confidence and boldness lord and lord i pray in the next 12 months lord that whoever that person is that you're going to get us praying for or that family or that number of people father that we see salvations in the next 12 months come through in our churches lord because that's why we're here lord is to reach the lost for you so, Lord Jesus, I just pray by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you will just 
impression something of the good news of your gospel in each person here tonight. And I just pray, Father, that we leave here tonight, Lord, different than what we came in, a little bit challenged, a little bit uncomfortable, but a little bit rejoiceful and excited about what the potential is, Lord, when we proclaim your gospel. So in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray a blessing over every family that's represented here, Lord, and that you seal in the hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.